0: Hey guys, Dustin Witt. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. you listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned.
1: Welcome back to Bat Force Radio. Uh, I'm Robin Cross in Canada, and we've got Dunk uh, joining us from work today. What up? (laughs) And ahead of this episode, I did a little look into this, and I believe we have done 12 episodes dedicated to the White Knight universe, going back to the first time that Sean Murphy joined us on the show. And that very first episode was posted May 9th, 2018. And now here we are five years later to the day seeing the release of Issue 1 of Generation Joker, the fifth overall volume of the White Knight Universe series. Uh, Returning to the show to help us talk about it are the co-writers of the series. She is known for comics work like Cherish and White Knight Presents Harley Quinn, and he is known for comics work like Bloody Hell and White Knight Presents Red Hood. Welcome back, Katana Collins and Clay McCormick, and thanks for joining us again.
0: Hello. Hi.
2: Thanks Thanks for for having us. Yeah, how are you
1: guys doing?
0: Not too bad, not too bad. Coming up on release date, very excited. Yes, yes. imminent. Sure is. And <laughs> it, it always and...
2: gets pretty nerve wracking on those like days as it's coming. Do you get nervous, Clay?
0: You know, I thought that I would, but um, it's so the fact that we get our comps like a week before, it kind of takes the edge off because I almost forget that it's going to happen. Cause I, cause I already have the books in hand um, and the marketing department probably doesn't want to hear me say that, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not too bad. I, I, the first couple days are always a little bit, you know, antsy cause you want to have to decide whether or not you want to see how people <laughs> enjoyed the book. or not. Does the,
1: does the antsiness uh, go down a little with uh, the following issues of the series as one where the, uh, the, the most uh, apprehension maybe comes in?
0: How do you feel, Katana? Because my, my wide release experience is only really um, limited to Red Hood, which is only two issues. So mm-hmm. I haven't experienced six issues of uh, discourse.
2: Yeah, I think issue one is definitely up there in terms of like the nerve factor. <clears throat> and I think after that, it's sort of Levels out a little bit for me until there's always like one or two inevitable issues within the run that you've done something that you're like oh you mean I where don't... you kill
1: the dog? Yes. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know,
2: I'm sorry, but yeah. So that issue for me during Harley, I was like, <laughs> oh no.
3: That's when you're um, in business.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then for me, the last issue is also makes me just as nervous because like it's the moment where it's like well did we did we really do our jobs here and yeah. wrap it all up in a nice bow for everyone yeah
1: that's that's the the culmination and did we stick the landing right yeah so uh you in particular now you have rehearsals tonight and tomorrow uh for yes. for a stage play and then uh over the weekend you're in the air uh to be joining Sean on this uh signing and convention tour that he just began correct
2: That is correct. Yes, I will be over the Atlantic come Sunday.
1: Cool. And then speaking Mm -hmm. of travel, both of you have been doing uh, some cons over the past couple of years. So I want to jump into something different than we uh, usually talk about, Uh, like some best and worst con moments. Uh, Is there anything that stands out as being a great memory or a, a particularly
0: terrible one? Oh, man. Clay, well, uh, you've been doing
2: cons longer than me.
0: Well, I was going to say last year, uh, 20, what year is this? 2023? 2022, I went to San Diego for the first time in 15 years. The last time I went was 2006, I think. And uh, it was quite a difference because I went then as a someone who was just, I wasn't even a, a professional. It was right out of college. And so I was just kind of walking the floor and overwhelmed by everything. So to go back as an actual professional um, was was quite a different experience, and I, I got to meet a bunch of the uh, the Bad Force guys, which was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience.
1: And any uh, any not so great? Well, that that arguably the last part of that was that could fit into the worst experience.
3: Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot to, I forgot to <laughs> specify that split. Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, I went to my first San Diego. Was it last year, Clay? I
3: think yep. it was last summer. Yeah.
2: Um, I'd never been to San Diego Comic-Con, so that was really that was exciting and that was very fun. Um, but kind of I mean the most exciting part of that weekend actually for me had nothing to do with comics. Um, Clay, Sean, and I were having breakfast in I forget the area of San Diego that it's called. But as we were like sitting there eating, I looked across the street, and there was the sign for the Whaley house, which is like one of the most haunted
3: right, houses
2: yeah. in all of America. And my excitement could not be contained. I legitimately considered not going to the signing that day and just going <laughs> into the Whaley house on the tour because I really wanted to see it. Um but yeah, that was, that was like a pinnacle for me and it had nothing to do with comics. That's
0: um, that's the tough part, isn't it? When you go when you go abroad somewhere for a convention, it's always kind of like, well, you know, I could actually do something fun outside the convention, but I have to be here for 12 hours a day. So
2: The problem is I'm really a lazy human. And <laughs> and I, if I had just taken 10 minutes before we left for San Diego and like Googled what was around to do, I probably would have been like, oh, the Whaley house. I mm-hmm. should schedule a time to do that. And I could have found time had I like really planned it out. And I'm sure that there were other comic people and creators there who would have loved to come with I me done.
3: to that. I, absolutely. I yeah.
2: know. So, like, it's just, I don't think to do that before. And like, here I am about to leave for Paris. And, like, I have half of a day when I arrive while Sean is still signing and doing stuff that I'm like, I should probably look into what's near the hotel and what I can just do on my own for that half a day. And I haven't. And I well,
0: won't. you know, luckily Paris isn't much of a tourist city, so you should be alright. It's
2: true. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I'll just go to the hotel, order some room service. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Get a cheeseburger.
2: Cheeseburger. Like, uh, yeah. A, a royale
0: I- with cheese. Yeah, there you go.
2: Yes. Yeah, a royal cheese. Good reference.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that, we, but that's that's kind of the best, uh, the best part of traveling. Whether it's for cons or you know the cons are a, a great excuse for it. But uh, yeah, it's a, a great opportunity to get to do anything in in a place that you don't normally get the chance to.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I was going to say, do people still? Is that a thing people do still? is the Royale with cheese something that did that pop off after Pulp Fiction? Is that something that the French hate us for now? Because everyone goes to France and goes to McDonald's and
1: well, I don't want to cast any aspersions, but I'm pretty sure France already hated America. True. Yeah. You know.
3: <laughs>
1: I, I've, I've heard, I've heard things. <laughs> uh, they, they only hate us slightly less in Canada here. I'm sure. So I, 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 I won't brag. <laughs> uh so we're uh yeah okay so, so i'm trying to simultaneously here we go so generation joker there it is six issues written by the two of you art by mirka Andolfo, of course creator of sweet paprika unnatural etc colored by alejandro sanchez how did mirka come into the picture uh, she also did some cover work for cherish and yeah. we're at this point now where we keep seeing uh, new names coming into into the series. How did uh, Mirka uh,
0: come into the radar? I believe Sean found her, right?
2: I think so. We've been asked this a couple times, and I'm yeah. it's it's been so long that this process has been going that I'm afraid I'm getting all these questions wrong and maybe even answering them differently every time they're asked. So, like people are going to be <laughs> like, "No." katana said and it's gonna be like she said something different literally every time someone asked her um but yeah i think sean found her at um found her i think he was like introduced to her art at emerald city one year and really liked what he saw and and just we kind of sat down and had a chat with her and and she was so lovely and wonderful and um and I think that's kind of where the discussion began to have her work on some white night stuff. Um, and I really connected with Mirka. And so when I got the Cherish gig and we were looking for cover artists, she was one of the names I tossed out as was Clay. Clay did one of our covers too. Oh, um, I
3: did, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, uh, and then when she was doing her, she did the um, anthology for Sweet Paprika. And then she asked me to write a short for that. So like she and I i feel like have just been sort of weaving in and out of each other's comic worlds for a year or so now.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I, I wasn't uh I unfortunately was not familiar with her work when when Sean brought her up and uh once I saw it I was like yeah, she's she's excellent. Be uh be great to work with her. And I think she had been on Sean's radar for a a, a while, I think. When he had first started coming up with these spin-off possibilities. I know that when he and I had talked about it, her name was always one of the, the ones that was kicking around as, as someone he'd like to work with. So it's great that we made it happen.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Her, uh, her art style uh, works very well within uh, the, the feel of this universe, you know, without uh, looking like Sean's we've seen uh, everyone who's, who's been brought into, to do art on, on any series, has really had uh, everything is meshed well.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and she also, you know, we were talking a little bit about this yesterday. Um, She has a great style that has a a certain innocence built into it that works really well for a story like this that's told primarily through the eyes of of two kids.
3: Yeah.
2: That, like, -like childlike wonderment she really captures.
1: Yeah. And now, uh, we see people like, uh, Dan Mora and Dan Panosian are providing cover art on this series. You know, basically be named Dan and improve your chances of getting into the White Knight universe. <laughs> <laughs> people are uh, clearly happy to get involved with the White Knight universe. It's, uh, it's cool to see how it's become this, you know, this thing that has been so successful and so well received, uh, that other creators are, uh, re- really happy to, to, to get a part of that.
0: Yeah, I needed to get in on it myself, and so hap- hope uh, I can happily say, I think I can say this: I'm actually doing one of the covers for issue number five. Oh, nice! I don't think I've been able to see that one yet. Can't wait to see it. <laughs> well, you haven't seen it because I haven't drawn it yet. So. I'll <laughs> <to> that.
3: <laughs> so that I
0: wasn't.
2: I wasn't about to call you out like that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> you heard it here first.
2: I he
1: hasn't it. drawn it yet. <laughs>
2: Yeah, we've got a lot of really really incredible talent um, contributing in so many different ways uh, from everything from like the colorist to the variant cover artists and obviously as we said Mirka and and the uh, Alejandro It's a great team.
0: Our our colorist Alejandro is is fantastic. Like yeah. I he's yeah. been doing he's been doing something where he's his colors look like watercolors. And it's just when we got the uh uh the 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 proof for the second issue in, and I was going through, and I was like this is gorgeous i i don't know if I've ever seen colors like this really anywhere so he's doing he's doing great work and uh I'm pretty jealous actually
1: yeah, yeah. it seems like Alejandro is the colorist on about fifty percent of the big titles that come out each month
0: yeah it's yeah. it's amazing i i'm again i I'm so ignorant of of so many names of the great people who are working and i'm I'm, I'm happy to know him now because he's <laughs> Very very yeah. good
1: and uh, as as well known as Mirka is for her own creations like uh, sweet paprika etc, et uh, she does have some uh some legacy in the Batman universe as well. Uh, she was the artist on the issue of Teen Titans during the metal event uh, oh, really? the, uh, she drew the first issue uh, the issue that was the first appearance of the Batman who laughs. No
0: kidding. Uh-huh. That's oh, That's cool. That's
1: awesome. And she also did, I think, issue one of the Punchline series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe, even, so. maybe even more than that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. She's um she's dabbled in the DC universe a bit. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: she did some she did some great uh, redesigns for us in this series too. Um I think you'll in issue one you get a couple of them. Um neo joker returns and she got to redesign her in this really cool evolution because it's been what like a decade in universe since since that character's been around and so she's evolved a bit and uh she has a new take on poison ivy that's really great and uh it's one of those things where when you see the first one you kind of go well, how many of these can we get her to redesign? Because these are really cool. <laughs> but you don't want to, you know, you don't want to just keep throwing stuff at her because she's actually got to do the pages. <laughs> yeah, I I got to uh,
1: to see the issue digitally a while back, but uh, as we're speaking right now, I have the uh, physical copy in my hand, and seeing her work there is really good. So yeah, we get uh, the return of of Neo Joker and then Ivy back as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, uh, Generation Joker, we're seeing the focus put on Jackie and Bryce. Now Bryce in particular, this is the first real focus on him as he was more in the back seat uh, in the uh, Beyond the White Knight series compared to Jackie's level of involvement in that story. Yeah uh, so, more the trunk. <laughs> yeah there you go.
2: More <laughs> <Poor> Bryce <laughs> uh,
1: The Trunk of the jokes. I think I think he was like mentioned once. I think it was just, just like uh issue eight.
0: Yeah, he yeah. kind of just pops up and I think goes
3: I, like, I completely forgot about him. I'm like, oh, oh, wait a minute. That's right.
1: Hey guys, remember yes. me, the good kid. You know, we honestly. This... Go, go Sorry, ahead. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say we had this like running joke as we were sort of crafting um generation joker where we would just sort of say, like, and Bryce was also there. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we we worked really hard to make I mean, we didn't have to work that hard, but like we were very conscious of him being his own human in this story and not just being an extension of Jackie. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and I, you know, what you said about um, him being kind of left behind, honestly, as you'll see in the first issue, that's kind of the a big part of the story is that he was left behind and you know, he had, he's in a certain headspace given that his, uh, the rest of his family is off doing, Crazy Batman-related things, and he was stuck at home. Suppose I guess like watching dog the dogs.
3: sitting, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: Doing and it so well. his, we 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 really wanted to kind of give him a fair shake in this, and uh, I would say he 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 drives a decent decent amount of the action through the series for sure. So uh,
1: this feels like the idea was always there to tell their story. Uh, was that the case and? How is the team handled really fleshing out these two new characters and finding a place for them to really exist uh, within the world that already existed around them?
2: Yeah, I do think pretty much from the onset of at least the Harley book, the idea or the seed of an idea to have the twins have their own spin-off of some sort kind of was always like at least in the background of discussions, um, and you know, for me, I've, I've talked about this before too, where I felt like the, the twins were such a big part of the Harley story that they, I feel very um, protective of them, and maybe even a little possessive of them. <laughs> like they're they're my twins. Where I'm like, <laughs> they're mine. Be careful. Like let's let's be. With them, and I, I have very strong opinions on uh, on ways to handle their uh, arcs and their autonomy.
0: Yeah, I knew I was doing my job if I suggested something that should happen to them, and Colleen started to get a little nervous about it. And it's like, okay, now we're we're pushing <laughs> we're pushing the edge of putting these kids into danger. I think we're I think we're in the right area. <laughs>
2: clay likes to watch me squirm
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i i think you uh got a a little bit desensitized when you had to you know previously uh you know go through that experience of uh removing one of the uh, hyenas from
3: the
2: babies yeah i know and then and then it was i really wanted one of the well not one of the only hyena lucy to be along for the ride and uh she gets a nice little cameo in issue one, but she's not on the adventure this time. I think everyone was like, no, no more hyenas, Katana. <laughs> we know what you do with them.
1: So uh, at the time that we're putting this episode out into the wild, issue one is also out in the wild. So we can really go ahead and you know, not yeah. worry about spoilers. Okay. So get into uh, it. Uh, Yeah, let's get right in. So we see the, Focus not only on the kids, but uh, this guy right here. They're uh, going on a trip with dad, aren't they?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Gosh, look how handsome he looks. <laughs> he looks so debonair.
1: You'd
0: never I guess always, he was a mass murderer. I,
2: <laughs> or a hologram. Always been more <laughs> or a hologram. Old yeah. man Bruce, like old man Bruce, makes my heart flutter, but I don't know. Look at that. Look at that suit.
0: He's
1: sharp. Hmm. Yeah, and,
2: Mirka. And, and, Mirka did him good,
1: and and he's in great shape. <laughs> yeah, but uh, for the benefit of of everyone listening, uh, how would you explain the story that we that we are seeing here in issue
0: one? Well, the pitch I got from Sean when he came up with the the core concept was uh, essentially the Joker in an attempt to, I should say, Jack Napier in an attempt to bond with his kids steals a batmobile and takes them on a road trip to different uh important places from his past to kind of teach him teach them that he's he's more than what they think he is.
1: Yeah, some parts it doesn't seem like he's doing a, a very good job convincing.
0: <laughs> no, no, and I mean I that that's uh I think one of the things that we we tapped into as we kind of broke the story down was You know, what are they learning and how are they learning it when they're going to these places? Because Jack just saying, okay, here's the place I met your mom. Okay, here's the place I grew up. There's like, you know, that's that's not the most engaging way to handle that stuff. And so Jack kind of sets the ball rolling on this road trip. But then it very quickly gets out of control and the kids end up sort of by happenstance and just by the action of the series, going to all these different places that are important to Jack, just maybe not the way he would have shown it to them. And so they're actually getting a really... uh, uh, They're getting quite an an education on on who their dad was.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, really, Jack's never been a father. Like, he's never... This is the first time he's ever had to be a dad to anyone. And um, I think... (laughs) I, I not that he necessarily thought it would be breezy, but I do think that there's a level to this that he was like, "Oh, it's going to be fine. We're going we're going go on a little road trip. It's it's great. What I I got this." And probably like a lot of parents feel where they're like, "Oh, I don't got this." <laughs> I feel like that's sort of the tone at least for issue one. Like, "Ah, yeah, this is going to be fun." And then it's like, "Oh, god, what did I do?"
0: <laughs> and he's yeah. also it's really the first time he's ever really had to care about anybody other than himself. Uh It's sort of the, uh, the curse that comes with uh, being given a conscience, I guess, by having the Jack Napier personality come back is now he's in charge of these two kids that he actually, he may be an immortal digital ghost, maybe not so immortal, but uh that doesn't mean people can't get to him through his kids. And so, it sort of activates this level of concern and, and uh, uh, freaks him out a bit in a way that he wasn't really prepared for.
2: Yeah. And I think that there's like on a very subtle level, kind of what we explore in that character development is yes, he's, he loves Harley. Harley is probably the only other person in the world that he has felt that emotion for but I think anyone who's a parent can also understand and speak to that feeling of when your child is brought into your life, it's a love that you have never felt before.
1: Now with the focus mostly being on, on Jack slash Joker as a father, as a parent, we do also see some of Harley and where she is currently at uh, as a parent as well. Where, how would you describe how Harley has been uh fielding this very complicated situation she's been living in?
2: Poor Harley. <laughs> <laughs> Poor girl. Can't get a break.
1: <laughs> the, that uh, all the the history with the the who the father of their of her children is His not well as far as she knows, he's no longer in the picture. But then there's also the other part of that triangle is Bruce and his level of involvement with the family. That the relationship between them—it's a a pretty complex situation.
0: I feel like we should have this whole series should have had a framing device where it's just Harley talking about all this stuff at a therapy meeting or something. Because
1: maybe on Doctor Phil,
0: (laughs) yeah, or something. Yeah, maybe she's. Maybe the series ends with she makes her own digital hologram so she can have a, a therapist she can talk to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like on, yeah, Jerry Springer, the ticker tape at the bottom is like, my dead husband comes back as hologram and kidnaps my children. What do I do? <laughs> um, yeah, I hardly is, I, again, I think I'm not a parent, um, but I have enough nieces and nephews and friends who are that I've I've sort of watched this how like that state of overwhelm is like this constant roller coaster ride like Mm. you you sometimes have everything under control and then with a flip of a switch nothing's under control and Harawi's personality is uh chaos you know like a fun chaos and um and I think that she in this story very much embodies that. And, you know, they're also in this, the kids are now in this tumultuous time of like that, that angsty teenage pre-teenage year of uh, that, like, even if she did have this parenting thing down when they were like kids and kind of like playful and fun and easier. Now it's like, oh my gosh, hormones are everywhere. (laughs) um, And so I think in beyond and this, we kind of see that, Chaos, but also protective mama bear come out where, I mean, these are are her children and she's not going to let just anyone handle making sure they're safe. Like, that's her job.
0: Yeah. One of the things that I I wanted to make sure came through with Harley is that... um... Throughout the the White Knight series, she's been relatively level headed for the most part, you know, except for a, a handful of outbursts. And I wanted to make sure that in this situation where her children are in danger, some of that begins to crack a little bit. And so you get to see some of the classic Harley Quinn energy come out, whether it's dealing with an FBI agent she doesn't like or or uh or any other impe- in, uh, in- impediments that get in her way. You know, she's, she's, there's always a chance she's going to snap and grab you by the collar and want to slap some sense into you. Yeah, I, I like you
1: describing that as uh, the, the Harley energy. We Maybe we can call it big Harley energy uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> coming out when the, when the children are threatened. And one of the other things that we see uh, as a result of the kids going on this road trip with Pops, uh, the other characters that, uh, that, come into the story so we touch on a bit of where bruce left off from the end of beyond the white Knight. we get a glimpse of where he is now what he's dealing with and we also see diana Mm -hmm. and uh so bruce is being typical bruce here knowing that harley knows him well enough to pick up on it he's uh, kind of speaking to her in code right in front of Diana while looking like uh, he's he's playing ball
0: yeah you know I I think uh, uh, when when we brought Diana and and the FBI into the equation we we kind of had to figure out what role they were really going to play and in these sort of stories there's there's a the one of the things that was stuck in my mind as we were developing this as sort of inspiration was Thelma and Louise. And I kept coming back to the Harvey Keitel character in in Thelma and Louise, who is, who's the cop who's chasing them, who is an antagonist, but not a villain. And so that was the kind of line we tried to walk with, with the FBI where Diana has her own set of goals that she wants that may not line up with Harley, but she's not, malicious she doesn't have a uh an evil mindset or a negative mindset she's just trying to do her job and to harley and to bruce what they see is the fbi thinking that it's going to be a breeze to deal with a, the digital immortal spirit of the greatest criminal mind in the history of gotham city so they kind of realize they're going to need to take things into their own hands to really deal with this. And uh, how do they how do they start that ball rolling without tipping off the FBI as to what they're going to do? And that's a, an interesting complication into having to not only deal
1: with, with Joker, but having to do so while tiptoeing around the awareness of the
0: FBI. Yeah, there's a certain level of, um, we wanted to make it feel like there's a the net was really wide, and then as the story goes on, the net starts to close in and 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 get tighter and tighter around them. So, uh, acting on uh, Bruce's you know very
1: subtle uh, cues here, Harley sets off to to go save her babies, but first we we get a little cameo as she has to call over some babysitters, doesn't she? <laughs>
0: Yes, that was that was something that I fought for pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's a I, great conclusion. Uh, thanks. Yeah, i i I wanted to I, I wanted to see if we could get them in there, and I figured we we were we had I think we had talked about that page as this this joke shot where she's like, okay, she's gonna uh, there's one thing I got to do left, call for backup, and you're thinking, oh great, you know who's she bringing in for this, and it's just she's getting a babysitter. And I was just thinking, who's the most unlikely character in this universe that you would call to watch your, your dogs? And, of course, it's Jason Todd and Gan. And, and Gan, yeah. It was very cool to see Gan back.
2: I mean, I also think Catwoman would have been a very funny cameo if she had ever been in the White Universe before. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. yes, having Catwoman dogs it, not a good idea. <laughs>
1: And if it, if it weren't for, you know, the whole uh, COVID thing, uh, throwing a wrench in plans, maybe we would have seen uh, some Catwoman in the White Knight universe by now. Who knows? Um, Who knows? Maybe.
2: There's still time.
1: There's still yep. time, yeah.
2: Plenty
3: of time.
1: And now this brings us, you know, uh, Harley heads out to, to find the kids, but the first people she finds are, as we said, uh, she runs into Neo-Joker and Ivy. Very cool to see both of them popping back up in the story. Uh was the plan always there to involve them? Yeah, know. it was, yeah. right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I because they were sort of cameoed in, in the Harley story as well. So, if I think it was pretty natural to want to include them, and especially with Neo, who's not really had a big involvement in the White Knight universe in a long time, it, it felt like it was past due to give her her growth and her arc in this yeah. in this universe.
0: Yeah, I think she might be my favorite part of the series mm. because we kind of I think across the original volume of White Knight and uh, the Harley Quinn miniseries and this, you we we kind of get this nice sort of three act structure character arc for her um which is nice cuz yeah she she is such a, a, com- a compelling character that hasn't up to the hadn't up to this point really gotten a, um a lot to do after the first volume so it was nice to come back to her and uh yeah i'm 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 excited to see how people react to where we take her yeah
1: now in his effort to show the children his past where he comes from what he really was uh, that history turns out to be uh, a danger to all of them uh what is it that uh that uh, they are faced with here uh, as we come
0: towards the end of the first issue already well uh we had one of the one of the first things we had talked about when we were breaking this the story open was okay, where, where where would Jack take them? What are the things that he wants them to see? And I think one of the first ideas was, oh, he should take them to show where he met Harley because she's the most important thing in his life. Obviously, she's their mother. Uh, so that's something that would be on the list. And as we got to kicking it around, we're like, well, what is this place? It, they met at this, this club, or is it a, it was like a, burlesque club kind of place yeah yeah and we were we were thinking that was in universe like 35 years ago or something and so what does that look like how has it changed and when jack gets there do we want it to be exactly the way it was before or do we want it to have uh have gone under some sort of a change that would would shake him because as he's trying to impart this history, he finds that this history is starting to disappear. And so, uh, yeah, it's a puppet show theater now, <laughs> but not,
1: uh, you know, well, it could be
0: argued that uh,
1: puppets in general are, are creepy, but uh, mm-hmm. this particular one is a really creepy and really cool uh, inclusion into the story. The, the, the encounter that they have here. And we find that this is, you know, keeping the idea of the generations colliding. This is now a, a next generation of the ventriloquist.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I think this was one of the first things that I brought to the table when we were kicking this around. And when I explained the idea, when I showed up and I was like, okay, what if it's the ventriloquist's daughter and she has an army of killer puppets Armed but like run by killer puppeteers. I saw Sean's face kind of turn a certain way where it looked like he was thinking I made a huge mistake. <laughs> In befriending this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I don't what was what was your reaction to that to that idea when we started kicking it around, Katana?
3: Um
2: I have very limited knowledge of the Ventriloquist <laughs> So I feel like it took me a really long time to even understand what that scene, what was happening. Like, I Mm -hmm. think at one point as, as, uh, I got the pages for that scene from clay, it like, and let's keep in mind in my defense, I'm also very dyslexic. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and as I was reading, I was just like, I thought this universe wasn't like super magical. Like, how are these puppets attacking? Who? What's happening? And I just—it didn't occur to me that they all had humans attached to them. I just thought like she had puppets walking around. I don't know. <laughs> I so like once I saw it come together, I was like, oh, okay, I get, I get it. This makes perfect sense now. But in the in the interim, I was like, wait they find, well, that's a spoiler. I can't say that anyway. Um, (laughs) um, anyway, but I, I thought it was really fun. And I, when we were also kicking around the idea of like, he should take the kids to this club where he met his, their mother. And, um, and we were like, oh, but that can't, like, he can't just walk in with two kids to this, like, burlesque club (laughs) Yeah, like that's not gonna it can't be a club anymore if they if they go in to see it um and i don't i don't even think we debated any other ideas it was the puppet show was pretty much it from the get-go right it was like i think so yeah yeah um so even if mine and sean's faces were like this (laughs) (laughs) we didn't argue we were just like okay Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think
0: I think I pitched it as uh, ventriloquist runs is the head of a murderous version of Avenue Q, and I think that kind of clicked. It's like, okay, all right, sure. And
2: you bring thing, up a musical, and I'm in. yeah. See, that's like, I, I, had, I got I it. He knows his audience
0: um, <laughs> And also, that what was nice about that sequence at the end of the first issue because it's you know you kind of there's a lot of balls to get rolling even though the the series is relatively simple and then it's, you know, they're on a road trip and they got to get these kids before X, Y, and Z happens. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so taking that final scene to sort of slow down for a second and reestablish what some of the stakes are, I thought was, was pretty helpful. And the idea of getting into the joker's past and some of the sins that he committed specifically surrounding what happens at arkham asylum in uh, curse of the white knight i thought well the puppet show thing would be a really fun way to kind of recap that without having to do like a flashback and how to and just talk through it we could do it through a puppet show and so you get to see this big evil azrael puppet murdering puppet two face and puppet penguin and all this kind of stuff and so I thought it would just be a fun, a fun way to kind of uh, at, at the end of the issue, kind of set up. Okay, here's the stakes. Here's what's going on. The, this is how the kids are in peril, and this is how Jack might have screwed up. And yeah, one, of and
2: the- as a sidebar. God damn it, Sean. Like that Azriel slaughter has like yeah. just time and time again has come back to bite us in the ass every time we try to write a spin off. I'm like there is no one left, man. Yeah.
0: I will we I think we can say without really spoiling anything though, we've found a way around it. So Yeah,
2: we've I feel like we've done very well considering the like sliver of like alleyways, he has left us to get around
1: it. Okay, confirmed issue two of Generation Joker. We see Bane got his head put back on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, tell uh, anybody. <clears throat> it's okay. Nobody listens to this. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that made uh, the original Ventriloquist uh, a little more uh, of an enigma to readers and you know watchers of different things over the years uh, in some stories he was just a crazy guy who had uh, a regular puppet that he believed was alive but then you had other stories where scarface actually was alive mm. and and the one that was calling the shot so when we come to this scene here uh, it really it takes on uh, it it would fit into a horror movie this bit at the end here, all, all these puppets showing up and yeah, you've got the, the puppet versions of, of all of these villains, but the puppet show being run by this, this character, you know, the daughter of, of the ventriloquist who to her, the opposite, like, she, you know, everyone is the hero of their own story to her story. Her father is, is the hero and you know, this, the, these bad hero guys were were actually the villains uh, mm-hmm. so we we're seeing it from from her point of view that she's angry uh at at, at all of these people and J- joker obviously and
0: yeah yeah i um we don't unfortunately have too much time to really get into her as a character um but i think there's I think it brings up a lot of questions like, did she just have these puppets ready to go or or, or it's uh, she, has she been uh, stewing on this for years and years? And finally, the opportunity presented itself. I, I don't know. I mean, she's uh, or does she just run an above board puppet theater and then the Joker happens to waltz in and she's like, all right, how quickly can I put a <laughs> very intricate <interesting laughs> puppet? <show> together?" <laughs> I,
1: I like to imagine her, you know, in her crazy uh, compulsive, just sitting there, maybe in the basement of of the theater, just stitching together all of these, uh, these dolls in her, you know, her plot for, for revenge. But I want to have one of those little scarecrow puppets that that guy looks really cool.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would think as as a little girl who did love dolls and puppets, I, I would imagine that it's probably how she and her dad connected when when he was around, right? Like,
1: oh, absolutely, yeah.
3: He
2: probably made her all kinds of dolls and puppets. and
1: Yeah, as twisted as it is, you have to think that if she grew up with her father in her life, then she also grew up with Scarface in her life being treated like a, a person.
2: Like an uncle or something, yeah.
1: Sure, yeah. So, yeah, that uh, definitely explains why she's uh, as, you know, bonkers as she is.
0: Yeah, I think yeah. I think there's you know, it's funny. <clears throat> it's one of those characters where when we when we started writing it, it we had we thought like okay, yeah, this is cool. Thematically it works. The fun bit at the end of the story and it's it's a nice new little wrinkle for the story. But yeah, I think there's a lot you could do with her if you wanted yeah. to as just talking about her right now, I think there's uh you could probably get an entire issue or so out of of what her her deal is and make her even a viable villain for the future. But unfortunately, that does not happen in the series. doesn't happen
2: that. in our book. We, but... we don't have room for that,
0: unfortunately. But... Or,
2: like, imagine, like, when you're, like, a child psychologist, you know, they use, like, puppets and dolls a lot oh, sure, to be yeah. like, how do you feel? <laughs> like, is that how she processed her feelings with her father? Yeah.
0: Once yeah. we start doing spinoffs of the spinoffs. Of the
2: spinoffs, get Jenny but... gets her own. <laughs> Yes.
1: Yeah, we can get to see her putting together this... Uh, merry Band of Puppeteers. <laughs> Sounds like a really solid
0: one shot. Yeah, you know, one. Yeah, what? What? White Knight, One Bad Day. Jenny Wex. Jenny. Jenny
2: <laughs> I just like White <laughs> Night Jokest Jenny. Daughter.
0: White Night Jenny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of of uh, just like a kind of cover. Yeah.
1: Speaking Are of you? One Bad Day, you had put out that uh, April Fool's joke with mm-hmm. the Condiment Man one. That that was mm-hmm. funny. The number of people that uh, that bit. What was was pretty fun to see yeah
0: it was uh, mission accomplished i would say on on my end because i i had uh i had this this idea that i had worked into another thing that well i won't go into that but um of this way to revamp the condiment king and make him simultaneously less of a joke and more of a joke at the same time and the one bad day uh, series seemed like such a great place to, to do that. And I, I had, I had reached out to one of the editors, um, and she had told me that at the t- at, as of right now, they're, they're not planning on doing any more of them. And so I was like, well, you know, what can I do? Is there any reason why I couldn't do this as a joke? Because I know that those books books were coming out and I knew I could being someone who actively works in comics, I could pull off a cover that looked at least semi realistic and uh, yeah, I was curious to see how much people would bite, and uh, a lot of people did, and I was happy to see that. Well, you you mocked up the previews page for it. it yeah, was that was, so that legitimate. was the legitimate. Yeah, that was doing the previews page was was the, the 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 cherry on top, I think.
2: Meanwhile, I'm over here like Clay. Where are the pages? Green. <laughs> that barking. did not happen. That did not happen.
3: Uh,
0: that's so, why that's why issue five has so many condiment related puns in it, because I was just in the wrong <laughs> yeah, it's just mindset
2: <laughs> come on, Bryce, catch up
0: exactly yes
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so people have uh you know presumably everyone listening right now has issue one in their hands or uh, on their screen if they're reading digitally uh they're in this far, what there can yes, oh yeah, you got the next nice foil I got one. the foil one it's
2: yeah, actually like horrible that. in this lighting though. <laughs>
1: Uh, so you know, presumably they're on board so far with issue one. What should they expect? Why should they keep coming back uh, for the rest of the series? What what are we going to uh, to see here without obviously spoiling, but mm-hmm. what's uh
0: what's the expectation here? Well, we we have rent to pay, so if they could do us a solid, <laughs> that would be great. Um, well, what do you, what do you think, Katana? Um,
2: I would say that at least in the next couple of issues there's like a lot of action Mm. and like not that's not something i'm known for but i think we both did a really good job at naturally having these hijinks crop up um and most importantly i think that this the entire run of this book has so much heart um Mm. like there's there's quite a bit of depth for something that was originally just kind of pitched as like, what if Joker had like a Night Rider feel, you know, like originally that was sort of the like, woo yeah. kind of like party time, fun, uh, mini series pitch. But, um, I think Clay and I and Sean really took that idea and very true to form with all of Sean's books, right? Like, we just kept digging and kept digging and kept digging into these characters. And as we've talked about, Clay is really good at torturing, <laughs> like throwing the worst scenarios and like, just torture your characters so that we can break them down and get that, um, vulnerability and, uh, have them rise from the ash.
0: Yeah. And I, I think there's, um, One of the things that I've been the most happy about in how we managed to spin things is how to, even though Jack's original plan goes off the rails, how we still manage to bring the kids to all these different places that are important to the Joker and to Jack and to his history, just maybe not in the way that Jack would have liked to bring them there. And in doing so, instead of it just sort of being a trip down memory lane for Jack. It ends up being a story about not only is it about the kids learning about their father, but it's about Jack actually possibly for the first time wrestling and dealing with the consequences of his actions for things that he did when he was alive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, It's we as we started breaking it down, there was just so many different little bits that came out that were so fascinating for all these different characters. Like, I don't know if when we started this, we expected Riot, excuse me, Neo Joker to uh, um, be someone who goes through as much of a change as she does. Uh, And I think it's uh, people are going to I think people are going to enjoy where the story goes and how we get there. Because uh, the places they go are going to be familiar, but it's not going to be exactly how they were left at the end of the last series.
1: Well, you mentioned uh, Joker confronting uh, the results of his past. And right at the end of issue one, we're seeing how the results of the life he lived is right off the bat in issue one, putting his children's lives at risk here. And yeah. so that's uh, a yeah. kind of the first slap in the face for him. Maybe that, uh, Oh, I, I did this.
2: Yeah. And like, I can't remember. Do you remember clay? Is this in issue one? Do they have the conversation with him where they're like, you don't deserve the title of dad.
1: Oh, um, that sounds familiar. Issue, I think. that. Yeah. Might I be think angry. that's
2: this issue where like, he says something along the lines of like, I'm your father. Mm-hmm. And you know, they're like, no, actually, like you've not been present ever, and like it's not just these um the historicity in visiting these places that's putting him through the ringer, but like I think he just sort of expected to come back and be welcomed with open arms by these two kids, and yeah, there's a lot of uh reality that he's having to face,
1: yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh surprises for sure to come. We saw glimpses of other characters. I presume uh, while you alluded to, we're going to see an evolution of of Neo Joker here. So we're sure to see also more Ivy. Uh, Do we expect to see more uh, involvement of Bruce throughout the series? Should people think they're going to see him?
0: Yeah. Uh, Bruce, you're not going to really know what Bruce's role in the story is until it comes together at the end. Like we, we, we touch in with him every issue, but it's, it's not exactly clear what he's doing. Uh, but as the story goes on, you'll, you'll, you'll see what he's up to.
1: That sounds like he's Batmanning. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah, that's often oh, that's
0: that's the case. Yeah. You, he just you don't can't know.
2: Help himself. Nope. Yeah. He just can't help himself from Batmanning.
1: And I glossed right over this right in the beginning of this issue. We have a, a new Batmobile. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's yes. not a white night book without some Batmobile in it.
2: <laughs> it's like a stealth mobile. Yeah,
1: yeah looks like really cool.
2: looks like a normal car because that was something we also kind of struggled with in the original concept of this, which is like, if two kids steal a Batmobile, you'll find them like that. <laughs> like right, it's a yeah. Batmobile. Like you know where it is. So we kind of had to have Mirka create and design this this Batmobile that doesn't look like a Batmobile from the outside because otherwise. All you have to do is put a chopper in the air, and you'd find those kids.
0: Yeah, and we we had to do a little bit of narrative back back flipping to figure out, like, okay, well, if it's a Batmobile, then how? Why can't Bruce just track it? Okay, there's got to be a reason for that. So maybe it's got some <laughs> untrackable thing in it. And you know, when, I mean, you,
2: Jack being able to like tap into any electronic system is very helpful for right. that kind of storytelling.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you, when when we when you do a story like this, when there's so much stuff going on, you kind of have to. Um, decide how large you want your circle to be as far as what you're going to deal with. And I think one of the things that we actually talked about a decent amount was, what do we do about the cops? Because the FBI is in this. Do we also want uh, GCPD involved? And I think right. we were like, I think... We just need to assume that the cops are doing something else because it would just be too much to, to yeah. try and work in the GTO or something, and, and all like as much kind of as
2: stuff. I love Montoya, and I would have right. loved to have Montoya on this team, I, like that was something we definitely talked about because in my story, Montoya becomes like an aunt to the kids, mm. um, so it did feel like oh, like of course she would be looking for them, but there's just not enough. Space yeah. to do it all, and we even got extra pages on this first issue, and there wasn't enough space right.
1: so the the g c p d are uh, are you know just currently wrapped up with all of the villains who are no longer alive in Gotham yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: they're
2: dealing with the aftermath of powers probably yes.
0: that's true this is it's this what, is like right after week, it's
3: like
2: yeah, I think it's a week after
0: week. the events mm-hmm. of of batman of white Knight beyond that's so correct. theoretically there tied They're up to other stuff and
1: insurance and that, claims <laughs> and that vacuum that was created with uh the absence of all the villains that's uh, sort of a perfect opportunity for this you know now neo-gotham world uh you know the batman beyond uh sort of future that that we're in uh it's this space for other villains to uh to take their place yeah yeah absolutely so Generation Joker is off to a great start, but you both do other things as well. Uh, Colleen, cherish wrapped up a little while ago. Uh, do you have anything else coming? Um, you can talk about
2: not anything in comics, I don't think. Um, but I have some rom coms coming out, some romance novels. Uh, there is that Sweet Paprika anthology that I'm in that just came out, uh, what a few weeks ago, I think. So. Keep
1: an eye out for those. And Clay, yourself, uh, do we know any more yet on maybe that other follow up to Bloody Hell?
0: <laughs> I'm bugging you um, about that. Follow up to Bloody Hell, probably not. I would say that's a TBD. It's something that it's like whenever I have downtime, I'm like, all right, maybe I'll do maybe I'll do this next, and then something else comes up and yeah. kind of pushes it around. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of writing another comic that i don't really think i can talk about yet um but i'm very excited it's something i've wanted to do for five years or so uh i'm working with a good friend of mine ricardo lopez ortiz is going to be drawing it and uh if you know anything about either of us you can probably put the pieces together of what this is going to be about so I'll, i'll leave it at that and um i think that's i think that's it for the moment for me uh I'm I'm always I'm always on the verge of, of doing something else on my own, whether it's like a Kickstarter or I've been threatening to start a Patreon or something, but nothing nothing hard at the moment, just my various podcast appearances. Now that, I didn't know uh, you
2: didn't have a Patreon. I just assumed you did for the podcast.
0: The podcast does. The podcast is a Patreon, but I had been I had been a debating. Okay. Yeah, I had been thinking about doing doing another book just myself that I would write and draw and publish independently and uh i thought about maybe i wanted to do something that didn't have as hard a timeline on it something Mm -hmm. i could kind of work on between stuff and i thought oh maybe if i do a patreon then i can sort of that'll keep me honest about working on it and and give me a little bit of cash to keep keep going so we'll see if that ever happens but
2: i love my patreon it is the most fun (laughs) like it's actually where i -hmm. will just Say the things that I'm not supposed to announce on Twitter. Or I'm not on Twitter, but on Instagram, like it's where I like, bleh, like here's what I'm doing, and like I'll I have to I, pick your
0: brain about that.
2: Yeah, and like I I was showing like the sneak peeks of Generation Joker art, and like they knew about Generation Joker before anybody else did um, on my Patreon. So yeah, it's I think it's really fun. It's like one of my favorite ways to interact with readers and fans right now.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Uh, now the book that you said you can't uh, say much about yet is this uh a DC thing or elsewhere?
0: Uh elsewhere. Okay. Um yeah, that's I think that's all I can really say. But okay.
1: fair enough. Uh any con appearances or anything uh currently planned where people will be able to find you, Clay? Uh
0: I will be at Awesome Con in Washington DC in June. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'll be at Boston Fan Expo in August. Um, there's a small indie show in Boston that I that I love called uh, Mice that I, I believe I'll be at. And, and that's late September, I think. And uh, still waiting to hear on, on New York, but hopefully I'll be in New York again.
1: Cool, cool. And, uh, and Katana, you're about to hit the road. Where will people be able to find you uh, in the next uh, in the coming weeks? Mm
2: around France. I don't remember the name. I know, I know Paris and Nice are two of the cities I know we'll be at. We, we'll be in um, Milan and Lake Como for anyone going to that Lake Como Arts Fest. Um, because I'm doing this show right now, I had to sort of back off of doing conventions and appearances and signings. Um, that's why I wasn't able to be at Wicked. Uh, comic-con whenever that was a week or two ago um and i I, that's why i'm not going to be in dc i'm not going to san diego because i'm in the show um so really the next uh comic convention i think for me is out oh wait i don't think it's announced yet Uh.
0: Well, can you talk about, can you, if it's (laughs) what I think it is, if it's what I think it is, Sean has been telling people at least online that, that he'll be there. Yeah.
2: Okay. So Fargo, I'll be in Fargo. Okay, cool. And can, um, can
1: you
0: talk about the, uh, the
1: show that, that you're doing?
2: Yeah. So I'm doing a musical called Sweet Charity. Um, I'm playing Charity and it is a very dance heavy show. It's uh, for anyone who knows musicals, like uh, the movie version with Shirley MacLaine was, directed and choreographed by Bob Fosse. So it's very, very Fosse, like kind of funky movements. And like, yes, jazz hands. And like, like, actually Bob Fosse is known for like very weird shapes and like isolations yeah. and stuff in dance. Like there's a lot of like weird, like just your shoulder moves and, um, but it's a very intense uh, show. It's like a workhorse of a show. So I'm going to be dancing my little butt off for the next few months.
1: Cool.
0: And I will be performing a one man version of Jesus Christ Superstar Uh, in the shower. (laughs) Yeah, in my living room until my girlfriend threatens to leave.
2: (laughs) I would love, I mean, I would love to hear the soundtrack. You can send me the vinyl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My Jesus is good. My Jesus is good. My Judas is great.
2: I was about to say I'd love to see that, and then I was like, "Wait, he said shower." That is very inappropriate. (laughs) Luckily, I know your girlfriend very well.
1: (laughs) Now, I obviously, from everything we're talking about, you've uh, both got a lot on your plates uh, recently. But anything that uh, that you guys have been enjoying in the way of uh, movies, television, anything like that, what what are you watching? What should people check out?
0: Uh, do you have anything off the top of your head, Katana?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I just started watching, and oh god, what is the name of it? It's the I think it's on Apple TV with Adam Scott.
0: Oh, oh. Severance. 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 Yeah.
2: Severance. Yeah. I just started Severance. I'm like a few episodes in. Sean was not as into it as I was, so like I'm kind of watching it on my own because yeah, he's just was like I don't. know.
3: Yeah, great, wasn't great into, show. i was
2: into it he was not great show. um and i just keep hearing like oh my god this the season finale so like i'm very excited True. to just get to the fucking season finale already <laughs> and see what everyone's talking about
0: <laughs> i uh i just started watching um that new hbo series love and death which is pretty interesting um, with uh, elizabeth elizabeth olsen uh, it's it's a pretty slow burn, but it's 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 pretty fun. She she's very uh, engaging, and uh, Jesse Plemons is really good. The thing I've been watching a lot of is actually Deadwood.
1: Oh yeah, uh, I love
0: Deadwood. Uh, I do um uh, a podcast, the Pensky Podcast, which is a Star Trek podcast, and the, my co-host Wes, or I'm his co-host technically, but uh, he's a huge Deadwood fan, and so we recently just started a Deadwood podcast called Something Pretty. And so I had seen maybe a season and a quarter of Deadwood back in the day, but I had never watched it all the way through and I loved it. And so we're going through the whole thing right now. And it's man, it is we, we are not to plug all the shows that we do, but, uh, the star, the star Trek podcast we do, we're currently in season three of Voyager, I think. And we just finished also doing the newest season of star Trek Picard. And, uh, they're fine but it's not exactly high art you know mm. and when you go from a middling episode of star trek voyager to an episode of deadwood it's just like a breath of fresh air yeah. because of the high level of execution and talent on display in in deadwood it's just it's it's an amazing show uh, i, love I the-
2: secretly love voyager
0: oh, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it i it's, love it yeah i'm enjoying it yeah
2: are
1: you? It doesn't sound I, like Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you
0: know, that's great. It's great. I, I
1: love watching uh, W. Earl Brown in uh, Deadwood. He yeah. was uh, mm-hmm. Bill in The Last of Us uh, video game. And yeah. Oh, love, really? I love okay. seeing him. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was really interesting. It's cool watching him in things because like, his character in The Last of Us, because they did uh, mocap, it was all motion capture. Oh, so yeah, yeah. his character looks just like him. Mm -hmm. so it's a very cool seeing watching him in live action things but have either of you checked out uh, yellow jackets
3: yes for i
0: have seen the first season i haven't seen any of the second season but that was that was great Mm -hmm. katan i think you would probably uh i think you would mm. Mm. would you like yellow jackets yellow jackets is kind of like lord of the flies if it was a girl's soccer team and it takes oh. place. It takes place in the '90s, the early '90s, I think. Yeah.
3: Okay.
1: And interesting. then it and it splits between. Yeah, it's sort of like you know Lord of the Flies, like you know Lost kind of thing, where they're stranded and you know things are going down. But then we also see, uh, at the same time, they're showing us the present day versions of these characters and uh, the results oh. of everything that they went
0: through. Uh,
2: That's interesting when yeah. they
0: were the the present day versions oh. are played by Juliette Lewis and uh, Christina Ricci and Melanie Linsky. and it's it's really oh, nice. it's really fun. Yeah, you
2: know? yeah. I also started watching again, like me and title names. I don't know what's wrong with my brain that I can't remember <laughs> them. But what was that? Um, the show with like the ghost hunters. Um, on, I think it was on Netflix. Uh, British, and it's like kind of this. Post-apocalyptic world, but it's not an apocalypse. It's like ghosts are invading.
0: I don't know that one.
2: What? Ah, I don't have my phone on me to Google it. Really? Is this
0: a a dream that you had?
2: (laughs) It's a fever dream. Just
0: invented this show.
2: No, I don't.
0: Is it
3: new?
2: No, it's fairly new. Like probably in the last six to eight months, ghost hunting show. There's so many ghost hunting shows, this is not going to yield anything. I'm trying to Google it. Uh, Netflix, fiction, British. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, your your listeners have just tuned out. Lockwood and Company. Oh, okay. Lockwood,
1: I've, Lockwood, heard, Lockwood I've heard the company. name, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. It's very fun. It it's really you know, to add, fun. To add to the list.
2: Yes, I do the terrible job selling that. But <laughs> British Ghost Hunters. I don't well, the, know. The,
1: it, that, was, that was a fun game of Mad Libs we just played, though.
2: <laughs> I can't believe that Google search came up with it. Like, literally, did you hear that nonsensical ghost hunting show Netflix fiction British? Is what I <laughs> Oh, my uh, God. You guys, I think I need a nap.
3: <laughs>
1: oh, man. Uh, I have to ask because it's my favorite. Uh, did either of you see The Last of Us?
0: Yes, I. Yes. Oh, I. I, uh, Way you said that. don't be talking
2: about my daddy Pedro that way. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do him dirty. Okay,
0: okay. I watched three episodes, and I thought it was good, and I really liked the Nick Offerman episode. Yeah, but I don't know it. It. I. I think I'm just a little zombie apocalypse out at this point for me. And uh, I, I, it's not to say I didn't think it was well done, and and it just didn't grab me the way I was expecting it to, and so I never finished it. Cool. Sounds like you uh, you liked it though, uh, Katana.
2: I loved it, yeah. and I I mean <laughs> I started watching for Pedro, yeah, and I kept watching because it was good. Um, and I'm not a zombie apocalypse person. Maybe that's why I don't have this burnout. Like it's not that is not a um like a genre I tend to gravitate to. Sure, yeah. Um, and so I, I thought I would hate it because I don't like scary things. <laughs> and yeah, I don't, I really, I enjoyed it. And like, again, I think I just, I love things that have a lot of heart to them. And that show to me had, as we know from episode three, it has like all the feels. Definitely, um, and yeah. Pedro. And I don't know, like let's be honest. Like I said
0: He's really that's what uh, brought me in. He's really cornering the market on
2: mm.
0: uh loners who have to deal with upstart young children. So huh? yeah.
2: we say like we call him the uh grumpy reluctant father. Mm-hmm. He is really like that is his jam. Like he just needs to forever and never play that part. <laughs> <laughs> um in fact I, I have some mugs that I made for my Patreon folks that it says, uh, like, it's a quote from one of his interviews, and it says, "I'll be your cool slutty daddy," or
0: something
2: like that. <laughs> and it has like a like an illustration of Pedro on it.
0: <laughs> Did you see that that clip from? He was on the red carpet somewhere, and, and someone came up to him and was like, "Would you read these thirst tweets?" And he looked at them, and he was like, "No, I'm sorry." And then he just he just kept <laughs> like he finally hit a wall where he's like, "I <sighs> I, I can't do this anymore. I can't I, do this I, I'm anymore."
3: Sorry. <laughs> Oh, uh,
0: too much. yes, I adore
2: him. <laughs> and I fear if I ever meet him at a convention, I'm just going to end with this, because then <laughs> we'll stop talking about Pedro. <laughs> but I have this massive fear that if he's ever at a convention that Sean and I are at, I feel like Sean is going to just be like, by the way, my wife really loves you. She thinks that you should be your cool slutty daddy. Like he's just gonna like comment right. all. Oh, over
1: he him. would so do that.
3: <laughs> I know. I'm
2: like, don't do that. Play it cool. <laughs> don't tell him I drink out of a slutty daddy coffee mug every day. <laughs> I
1: I can see him doing that, uh, saying all struttle. of that, and then just standing there smiling while you deal with the outcome. Like, go Talk.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he would 100% do that.
1: <laughs> uh, Oh, good times. That needs to (laughs) be Well, maybe uh, we let you guys get back to everything you're still working on. You've both got schedules. We appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, Generation Joker, issue one is out today as we're putting this episode out. Issue two coming up on June 20th. So check that one out as well. Uh, It's a lot of crazy stuff uh, definitely coming up into this. Great start in issue one. Thank you guys for being here again. Thank,
2: Thank you for having you. us. Thanks for having us. And thanks again for accommodating my crazy schedule. Oh, our uh, pleasure. Send my apologies to everyone who couldn't be here, or who was going to be here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Fuck them kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was Katana <laughs> Collins and Clay okay. McCormick. And this was Bat Force Radio. We will see you guys next time. Thank you.